Welcome, welcome, everybody. Welcome. This is Sharon Smith, and this is Iambic Presents Real Poetry. I'm here once again with my poetry popcorn snatchers, Marvin and Auntie Vice. Say what up. What up? What up? And this show here, we review movies of poems or poets for your suspense. Today's, today's one, we're going to do a thing. We're going to do a two-part era of movie shorts. The first one right now, we got three movie shorts that we are going to talk about. The first one is going to be Pull My Daisy. The second one is The Cremation of Sam McGee. And the last one is going to be um, The Hangman. Let's start off with Pull My Daisy. I'm already looking at some people with <laughs> Pull My Daisy is a, is a collaborative project poem done by Jack Kerouac, Alan Greensburg, and Neil Catum Ginsburg. Alan Ginsburg. 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 And Neil Cassidy. It is what they call a surrealist, exquisite corpse or cadaver. Which means they take pieces of words and imagery and put them together to make some kind of Frankenstein um, poem or idea. They made a movie back this in 19... I think it was 1946. Well, my bad. I think it was 19... Let's see the movie. It was in the 1940s. The... Yeah, it was 1948. Where the movie itself... Where the little 37-minute movie... Itself was basically the third is basically the third act of the Jack Kerouac, written and narrated by him. It also had Alan Grisberg in it, and the basic story of the whole thing is the plot is a railman comes back home to get ready, prepare for a bishop or a pastor coming by to have dinner, but. Unfortunately, some of his bohemian—they call him bohemian friends or beatnik friends—stop by and kind of crash the party, and things start going awry. That would have been an interesting movie if it, they shot that. Yeah, I would have preferred that movie over what we watched for his uh, autobiography okay. movie. Yeah, what minute, autobiography? Okay. Or oh, the, his sorry. his biographical movie. Okay, thoughts. What? Why would? Why was? What did you think about this one? On device, you want to go first for once? Oh no! Oh, we always agree on everything, so so I'm not gonna like. I feel like this is no change up at all. (laughs) This this reminds me of every freshman college film thing where they say, you know, make a film, take pre-recorded clips and stuff, edit it together, and. And make a film. And then you go home and between your molly and your weed and your <laughs> drinking and your ramen starvation diet, this is what you come up with. And you think it's fucking brilliant in that delusional state. And you can't wait for everybody to see it. And then if you watch it sober, it's just God. It's like the stuff that you hide later in your career. This was so <laughs> disjointed and 
so I want to be like the French films that are coming out at this point in time, and I have no skills in it, and didn't flow, and oh, it was horrible. I was I was angry halfway through. I was going to just turn it off and give a review on the first half. And I thought, no, I'll stick it through because it's only 37 minutes of my life. But good God, I was mad at the end of the, that I had spent 37 minutes with this piece of shit. <laughs> it was awful. There was nothing redeeming about it. They had the pieces where they could have made something interesting. They could have done some type of commentary on religion and society and conformity. But it was just... This disjointed, drugged out shit that they put on film. I would rather listen to Speak Out Sacramento journaling poets vomit their emotions on stage than watch this. This is horrible. For 37 minutes. <laughs> yes. If and I had 37. We've done I, that. We've done that yeah. already. And it, it's painful. It's painful. <laughs> this was more painful than that. Uh, yeah. Uh, what do you think about Marvin? Oh, no. I totally agree with Monty Vice. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you kidding me? And I think she put it better than what I would have said in a more rougher, ruder, true way. I personally have always thought beats, like, and I'm going to catch a lot of hate for this overrated and pretentious i get Mm -hmm. where it's influenced a lot of things but oh god it's really pretentious and i can't stand it i really can't and i'm like it's feels really freeing for me to admit this it's just oh god and she like auntie vice has like literally hit hit the nail on the head looks just do i feel like any time a beat poet comes up they just talk about the most mundane shit and they expect this to be art. I was like, I'm sorry, just saying shit doesn't mean it's art. There's no real cathartic moment that makes me think about anything when you're just talking about some random, absurd, bullshit day. See, and I can take beauty in the mundane. I understand that part of it. But this wasn't even that. This was, this was we're going to try and take the mundane and we also want to make a cultural statement and we're also so fucking high we can't connect the dots. This is the film art house theaters play and people will go to and they don't understand it so they come out and they say it's brilliant because they don't want to look like an idiot like they didn't understand it you know no and you're right you're right that's totally exactly what happened and it's just there's a lot of going on there's a lot going on and where but there's no connecting point to drive it forward it was just all over the place yeah was it- and I just really hate the pacing of beats. I'm sorry. I just oh, really I do. do too. I, do I mean, too. is it more the is it more the narration that Kerouac was performing that just kind of just? I mean, because none basically none of the people talked. He basically all the, all the talk and the narration. It basically but, like I mean, the even the even the the words themselves did not connect it's like a diagram sentence but you only read the shit on the top line for the first half and the shit on the bottom line for the second half and you never got all of that stuff in between mm-hmm. and there's it, nothing yeah exactly there's nothing wrong with the narration jack yeah. B does the same thing but he has a very good solid driving point that has a theme for almost all of his works this is all over the fucking place. It's like a fucking teenager took a Molly pill, said yep. whatever he wanted, wrote it down on a notepad, and he thought this is some intelligent shit. But all it was was him just saying the Republicans and Democrats are fucking shitty, and I'm a smart bo- little boy because my mommy and daddy told me so. That's literally what this sounded like. But is there a point that he basically, I mean, I know he's basically talking a lot of gibberish, basically asking the 
asking the um, bishop what is holy. You know, basically kept on that was the, that was the big key thing. He kept on like asking, I said, it's holy, a fresh, it's a freshman in college thinking they're smart by asking this question that they don't give any context or d- parameters to. Um, so you can't. It's so big you can't really answer it, and they think they're brilliant because, and they think they've gotten somebody something over on somebody because they've answered an unanswerable question. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's literally no like, I, yeah, it's like, I literally just took psych one Oh one. I now understand the human mind. No, right. no. Right. As a good friend of mine, you would call it, it's great mental masturbation. Like, Ooh. you know, that that's what they're doing is they're, they're jerking each other's brains off here. And, uh, we just get the, the, the dead semen aftermath of it. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, so, so was the the jazz the jazz comprehension uh, just a basic distraction to you? Was it just normally just like does this made me so mad I hated oboe by the end, and I love the oboe. This was so mad I fucking hated the oboe by the end of it. <laughs> I feel like jazz, while great in art form it is, or music, should not be added into certain forms of spoken word. Beats definitely right. should not be it. This is exactly the same conversation we had last time at SBC. Sometimes, sometimes music does not enhance mm-hmm. words. This was a prime example of it. And I'm sorry, jazz is just as pretentious. Just because uh-huh. you listen to jazz doesn't make you an intelligent or cultured person. You listening to jazz and not fully understanding anything about it or why it exists or how it's played, but just calling it crazy doesn't make you intelligent or cultured and it doesn't make you seem suave it just makes you sound like a pretentious douche yep <laughs> and adding it to the beats makes you even worse i'm sorry i stand by that this is a double douche film mm-hmm. a double douche film <laughs> you don't double douche <laughs> wow and so, so sharon what did you think of it since you made us watch it uh, <laughs> you still well, have a great track r- record, by the way, might I add, for torturing me and Auntie Vice. <laughs> I, I don't know how y'all just... It's on the list. First of all... It's so, on the list. is not it a good... Is, hey, it's on the list. So, uh, th- this movie stuff, yeah, it did, it did get a little problematic on some occasions and stuff. Um, I, did, I did sense him when he was basically going with the whole... Um, the, the whole several definitions of a cockroach. And I was like, okay... Where's he going with this? There's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff was just like, like we, like he, like they say about the cadaver. It was just a lot of stuff thrown on the, thrown on the wall and said, oh, let's link this together with that, and let's link that together with this. So it, it kind of got a little scatterbrained, and he even got the whole point of the whole mundane thing of it all, of the guy coming home, and next thing you know, his wife wants to go is invite his bishop, and he, she has this whole idea what's going to happen, and they found out that this is actually was one of them. Neil um, um, Cassidy's um, one of uh, based on a real life of Neil Cassidy and his wife Carolyn. So it basically happened. It didn't happen that way, but it probably they had some scenario just like based on a true story. But I'm saying that I did see that their thoughts of asking, like you said, asking the the um, bishop a question that could not be answered was basically was was a little bit of a beat off. I was like, okay. But then start then basically almost like they just got too far in their mind and they just start doing something else. Them all breaking out um, instruments and then just going into a whole motion of, of music. That kind of made me go. I understood what the woman was trying to do. Was like I felt a little religious. So I wanted to play a little piece for him, 
And then they all just started jumping onto instruments. I was waiting for a guy to pull out some drums or some stuff. But yeah, it was it was it was a uh, thirty-seven minutes, a little too long. But yeah, I could, I could. it was thirty-seven minutes too long. We definitely know people in our circles who would, if given free reign of a mic night, would do exactly just that. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So, but artistically, um, I don't think this would be part of the part of the homage of the the beatniks or the beat generation but you know it was one of the movies that was written that was done and they had jack kerouac it was directed by robert frank and this is one of those things that are charmed into the the spectrum of what he what his whole mind uh, jack kerouac's mind and alan ginsburg's uh, mindset was about so so i was wondering do you want to rate now or rate at the end? We can rate oh, now. Oh, let's rate now. No, let's rate at the end. Let's rate at the end. Like Why well, ask it. if you want to keep going? Because I was thinking about it and I was like, because I was going to go just knock them all out. But then I was okay. like, we he has a it? point because we will just bat. We have a tendency to continue to bash things yes. after we just eviscerated it. Okay. So <laughs> we leave number gonna... two. <laughs> <laughs> number two was the cremation of Sam McGee. This poem was done by Robert W. Service. It was done back in the days. It was in, um, he did this poem and published in 1907. Um, the little it was also read, um, read by, as you saw, Johnny Cash and then some the other, incomparable Johnny Cash. The incomparable Johnny Cash. Basically, <laughs> it's a Yukon. It's a it's a story of the Yukon in the Yukon, which um, um, Robert Service did a lot of time in spent a lot of time in the Yukons himself and he did a lot of poetry out there. And this one here, what <laughs> I can see yawning. This one here was, it was concerning a cremation of a prospector who froze to death near Lake Labour in the Yukon, Canada, and told a man to cremate him. Now thoughts. I liked it. Oh, really? I actually did, but it also might be because I have a soft spot for uh, Johnny Cash, though. Okay. But they think there's a certain beauty to promising someone their last dying wish, and there's this dramatic trauma that you experience with it. He describes seeing the, the dead person's ghost in the furnace. It, while in the poem's eyes, whether it be be literal or fictional, that's very well a form of tra- unresolved trauma for whatever reason it may be. And I think there was this, it was a very fascinating way to explain PTSD regarding someone's death during that era in time. Hmm. That's, not, that's actually a good take on it. Auntie Vice. Overall, I liked the content of the piece. Uh, it was a little sing-songy with the end rhyme. Well, you know, and stuff. I I would have, I would have told chosen a different rhyme scheme. Um, you know, to add a little more gravitas. It was a little little Doctor Susie in that sense to me. But um, yeah, the content was lovely. The uh, Johnny Cash reading it was great. I hated the visuals. I absolutely <laughs> hated the visuals. Um, you know, I think this could have been done a lot better with um, either where you use the. Um, 
paper mosaic type of animation to do it or you could have done you know shadow puppets or something like that that would have worked really well the visuals they just looked like shitty film um you know unfocused too much vaseline on the lens type of stuff um so i was not a fan of that but you know the the piece itself was fine I would assume that this was probably done, if Johnny Cash reading or something, it was probably done with a little bit of uh, um, the train beat. You know, basically making it almost um, almost like a, like a gallop. I would assume that was, I didn't, I didn't hear the Johnny Cash version. But, yeah, you're all right. It is more of a sing-song. It is more, <laughs> I hate to say it, like Bob Dylan, but it did have that kind of sense to me. Um, the thing that cracked me up most about this is... The ending, where he basically opened up the opened up the oven and saw him burning, and said, "This is the warmest I've ever been in my life." <laughs> it's like bringing in the little humor and stuff. I appreciated that. <laughs> you let in the cold. What's going on, man? I'm like, okay, that's disturbing. <laughs> but all in all, this was this was not a bad this was not a bad one. I mean, it did it did prosper a lot of issues with the camera movement and stuff and the the way the the dogs were running and stuff. But yeah, I did like the the rhyme scheme was interesting. It did sound I did like I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm I did like the rhyme scheme. I, I thought it was very very I gotta agree. to the point. There was something that I liked about it just but again purely because it was Johnny Cash that was narrating it and that was typically his style. When he was still alive, I mean, it was very simplified. It was straight to the point, and had a very specific, bassy to the point rhythm to it. So, most definitely. All right, and the last one we're about to do is "The Hangman" by Maurice Organ. This Ogden. Ogden. (laughs) I love it every time she does that. This one here was a. was an interesting one. Okay. The hangman. Uh, not on the tour. This one here was put in, was written in 1951, but it was published in 1954. Uh, the plot of this is interesting. A hangman comes, arrives to town, and starts executing citizens one by one. Now, the, the fact that that uh, hangman came into town and started executing people. Pretty was shocking because I started reading, I started looking into more of his stuff. He hung, you know, he hung the first. Oh well, well, my thing was, I think it was mysterious, but it was also interesting as it played out. And then at the end, finding out the surprise ending was also stupendous. Uh, Marvin, what do you think about it? You know, actually, I like this one a lot, too. I think there's something very surreal about this piece. I agree in the sense that it does play a very good interpretation of what actual persecution looks like, generally. But I could totally see it with how specific idiot masses would use this to push their own agenda forward. I'm I'm looking at you, (laughs) anti-vaxxers. But yeah, but like I, th- I think there's something very surreal about this piece and how it talks about very specific persecutionary events going on in history and specific future events of what happens when you don't speak. And I liked it stanzas, its phrases of how it went through everything. But 
something about it hit really close with how everything has been going on these days. What do you think about Arthur Vice? I as as a reinterpretation of the Nemo Lair quote, you know, first they came for the socialist, and I did not speak up because I was not a socialist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, basically, it's just a reinterpretation of that, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's a, a protestation against um, you know persecution and and trying to get across the point that we're all in this together, right? That you got to speak up for for one another. So as a philosophy, it captures that well. Um, you know, I didn't think it was groundbreaking or anything, um, in, in where it went with that. Cause it really is just moving Mimor Lair's quote from, you know, Nazi Germany into more of a, um, kind of a Western thing with the, the hangman coming in and, and setting up the, the hangman's tree in the, the town square. Um, so yeah, it was okay. Um, the animation I thought fought with with the text, like I I don't think it enhanced it at all, and I think at times I found the animation distracting. Yeah. Um, especially they go through parts where they they're trying to create bridges between one stanza and the next, and they're putting in just kind of the different shapes falling on the screen, cules or geometric shapes and stuff, and it's just it was fighting it. Um, and at the end when they're contorting the hangman's face and stuff, I thought it fought with the, the narrative. Um, so, you know, I also realized that at the time it was made, animation was more limited. They're very much in that 1960s style animation. Um, this mm-hmm. was very Rocky and Bullwinkle, um, <laughs> style of animation, which I think fought it for me, to, you know, fought the, the piece for me too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I mean, it was all right. I mean, the, the meaning of the the meaning of it became. I started finding out there's more information about the four, the first four people that got hanged. The first mm-hmm. one was hanged because he wanted to test out the rope. The second one, who was a Jew, was hung because he was a money launderer. The third one was a black man, but they didn't explain why. Well, and, they they went through. It was it was. Uh, a foreigner who was yes, first, foreigner, then yes. a Jew, then a black guy. I mean, they're going through groups that are, were being very prosecuted or persecuted at the time that this piece was written. Um, and this is this is still where we go today. If you look at American policy, these are still the groups we're going after. We go after immigrants at the border. We go after blacks in this country. We go after religious minorities. And right now it's not Jewish as much as it is Muslim. Uh, but, I mean, these are, are the traditional groups that any government trying to assert power and appeal to a populist agenda, these are the groups that are going to be persecuted. Yeah, and I think it's just after the first few specific cases where you get all the details, everything just starts to become a number and statistic, and you forget yeah. why this is happening. And you just remember this is how much has been happening, and we remember how it's just continuing on. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's true. I could see that being... And, but the real thing that really pushed the lever was the ending. When uh, the the narrator... Mm-hmm. Is now going to be hanged, and even his point of him being hanged and stuff really just that kind of put a little bit of a wait a minute. Is he part of this now? Yes, he is part of the situation also, so he will be also hung also with it. So yeah, 
I I do see it as a precautionary tale, where it can be took. It can be taken as if you don't help us, we're we ain't gonna be there to help you. So it's like oh, okay, I can see that. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and that's been that's been reiterated for generations. I mean, where we've changed that dialogue now. If it was if it was done in in current era it would be you know the first several groups are are persecuted and then white women would jump up and make it all about them like that would be the today's oh, yeah. movies version mm-hmm. of it oh yeah um, there ain't no weapon like a white woman's tears right right uh you know they can co-opt the movement faster than speeding bullet oh um, yeah without a doubt i think there was like a very nice little video reaction response one time like because there's been a trend these days online where People do this like a little fake thing. It's like, I broke into your house. What are you going to do about it? And they try to look intimidating as mm-hmm. possible. Some people try to do it as cutesy as possible as well, just mm-hmm. to like make like jabs at it. There's this wonderful response to these two white women who go, I br- we broke into your house. What do you do? And a black man immediately says, I'm fucked. There, yeah. It's my house. But no matter what way I can try to spin it, yeah. if you cry, I'm immediately persecuted no matter what and that was such a wonderful yeah. response to it there was no yeah. he didn't posture or anything he was like they're like i'm dead no matter what right. i mean i think that sorry that's yeah i think that that's the the change in what people who are just coming into a political consciousness now may not understand is you know we used to kind of understand that we were in this shit together and there was a sense of community um and you know, now people are have taken that at, instead of thinking we need to fight for for groups who are being discriminated against. Now turned it into how can I say I'm part of that group, right, and make it oh, yeah. about me and that self centeredness. Oh yeah, it's so great watching uh, people call themselves an ally and then explain how they're an ally. I'm like, mm, yeah, really? <laughs> are you an ally? Really? <laughs> uh, they they tried that on um. Brooklyn Nine Nine, so turbid. Oh, uh, there's this. Gr- I don't know if you guys have watched Reservation Dogs, but it was not so- yet. One of the episodes, one guy was going, "I love all Native Americans. I have a friend, Lakota. I text. He's my best friend. I text him on the daily." And the one of the characters just looks at him, and then immediately in her mind, you see him dressed up in. New England Civil War outfit, and then there's a bunch of other Native Americans standing behind him, and he expects them to pour him lemonade and everything while he continues to talk. And that's what she sees in his mind when he says yeah. shit like that. It's yeah. so great. That was just such a wonderful little representation of what <laughs> she thought when he says yeah. shit like that. It's <laughs> funny. So, so the the as they point out, the the hangman threw a riddle. The riddle said, "He who served me best." Mm-hmm. It means that he meant to say whoever is the most loyal to him will be the one who'll get murdered. I mean, that that's the whole Trump, you know, cavalcade in it. You know he's going to throw everybody under it who's sucking up and kissing his ass. You know he will throw them under the bus as fast as he can to keep his own ass safe, right? It's exactly what's going on there. I mean, he's already um, been doing that since his impeachments. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, he's happy to fling somebody under the bus, no matter how loyal they are looking at you, Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell. Oh, um, yeah, he's already he's already thrown his uh, base, most of his base under the bus by saying, yeah. get vaccinated when he's appealed to them previously. And now they boom. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. 
<laughs> All right. So as you see, we basically have our own opinions. But I think it's about time to make our review and rate this of it. Right now, we're going to go into Snap Judgment, where we basically rate the three, three today, that we reviewed. And we go from three snaps all the way down. Now, if it's three snaps, that means it's the greatest thing in the world. This stuff is epic. They blew the minds away. Two snaps, it's not that bad, but it's not that good either. One snap, it needs to go back where Jack Kerouac made that movie and stay in a freaking dumpster and never be found. We go in quarter snap increments. We're right now going to do, we're going to do is, we're going to do each one individually. So, let's start off with Pull My Daisy by Jack Kerouac. Close your eyes and let's do this one. One, two, three. Wow. <laughs> Not even a thought. Two, zero, and zito. Is that, 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 that a fist for a half or that's a full out zero? Fist for half. Fist for half oh. for me. Oh, Still better half. score than Mulan. Still better score than Mulan. Uh, you gave it a zero, Auntie Vice? Yes. It's just as bad as Mulan. This this and Mulan can go in that same dumpster and never come out. See, wow. I'm willing to give I'm willing to give this some change and meet it half, semi halfway here though. No. Two, hmm? a half, and zero. So you gave it a two? I gave it two. It wasn't that bad, but it wasn't that good either. I'm gonna start questioning when you say I'm good and bad. I feel like I need to like leave this. <laughs> I thought I said like oh, I feel like I need to leave this interview. Oh. <laughs> like if you give it this and two, not that bad, not that good. Well, I mean wow. it's okay. Two point five on this one. Next one is the cremation of Sam McGee. Close your eyes. Let's get this one out the way. One, two, three. All right. I give it a two and a quarter. We get a two and one and a half. All right. One and a half, two, and these are three and a half. So about three, four. Come on, accountant. Five seventy-five. <laughs> five and three quarters. Okay. I had to call that out of my head. Like, da, 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 da. So five and three quarters. Okay, cool. Now, the last one, the hangman. Close our eyes. Give this one out. One, two, three. Uh, it took three tries. It took three tries. It took three tries, but me and Auntie Vice are finally like yep. in sync. One and a half, one and a half, and two and a half. Hmm. That is an interesting. I I I started fooling down. I was like, but I, I gave cremation a quarter, so this one gave a little upper, a little bump, a little bump up. I give this one a little bump up, three, five, so five and a half. All right, so we got five and a half, two and a half, and a three and well, five and seven, three quarters, three and three quarters. Okay. That's our numbers. Uh, does anybody want to give information of why you gave your score, or you just want to just go one yeah. broad? Just one it was broad. all self-explanatory. I think we explained yeah. it really well. It was no Mulan. None. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of fearing your Mulan moment with 
how Auntie Vice basically looked at uh, Kerouac and was like, she she actually looked at the time to see how much is left, and she stood there just like, oh god. I'm not oh, gonna god. lie though, I was a little high for for that. There, so. see, 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 that's what we need to do. We should have made, we should have gave you a little influence before you went in to see this movie. Yeah, I had a I had an edible, so a gummy. <laughs> Before I watch this, because that's what she moment, said. Because the moment I watched, I looked it up. I was like, "Oh God, this is by Ginsburg, <gasps> right?" Ginsburg? No, no, no. You're not doing this to me, sober. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, yeah, we should should have gave you a little bit of something before you walked into that. I don't know if it would have made a difference. I mean, you, you saw a cat's high. You couldn't stand for I couldn't do it. I couldn't have stayed through the whole 37 minutes if I was high. I wouldn't have had the, the patience. It had Idris fucking Elba in it. I could listen to that man count to a thousand. And I'd just be like... That, that would be preferable to what I saw in the first 10 minutes of Cats. That's, she only made the Idris Elba. And then it started I couldn't do it from there. I couldn't do it. She couldn't, she couldn't even make it to, J- to Jason DeWillow. She just basically made it to. I didn't need an auto tuned cat. (laughs) And that was Rim Tim Tucker. That was Rum Tum Tucker. (laughs) All right. But as you can see, we gave our score and we had our opinion. If you have an opinion on these three movies, check them out. They're on YouTube. You can go watch them yourself and see what you think. Give us a a little shout out on comment or. Go to our Instagram and stuff and put what you say. Say, how dare you have this movie on here? Hey, I don't care. It's not my thing. It's on a list. Yeah. (laughs) But as always, we have social media. Marvin, give out your social media so they can, if they want to text you and tell their judgment. (laughs) You can judge me all you want, but it does not change my mind about Mulan. You can find me on IG at StarvinMarvin09. I dare you to tell me otherwise. I dare you. I dare you. Auntie Vice. I'm Auntie Vice on most social media, AuntieVice.com, LoveLettersToAUnicorn.com. And join me for the month of October with Wicked, at Wicked Grounds for 30 days of kinky self-discovery. You can get tickets and ticket packages at WickedGrounds.com. Yeah, you can find me on Iambic Zine. That's I-A-M-B-I-C-Z-I-N-E. We always talk about some more shows. Next one we're going to be talking about, hmm, we got three more. They're going to be interesting. Yeah. I hope. Yeah. So, check it out. We'll do this once again. Another movie shorts for these poems. Get this off this list. Boom, boom. Under 30 minutes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Later, guys. <laughs> Peace. Bye.